0: This is The Millennium Mayor, an exploration of Francis Slay's legacy in St. Louis. I'm your host, Rachel Lipman. For the first time in 16 years, St. Louis has a new mayor. We
1: shattered a ceiling tonight. And together, together, we made a historic moment right here in the city of St. Louis.
0: That's Lyda Crewson after her victory in the 2017 mayor's race. Now, we've spent the last six episodes looking back over 16 years and what Crusen's predecessor, Francis Slay, did or didn't do in the areas of race, economic development, social issues, and policing. If you want to check out all of those pieces, see some historical images, and dig into some data, you can go to STLPublicRadio.org backslash Millennium Mayor. But as of April 18th, 2017, Slay has the title of former mayor. There's someone new in room 200. So we're going to spend this final episode looking ahead at the next four years and beyond. What did Slay leave behind for his successor, Lyda Krusen? What's the biggest thing she has to deal with? I pose these questions to the reporters who helped guide us through Slay's time in office, and they join me now to give me their answers. Joe Manis, Camille Phillips, Stephanie Lecce, Nancy Fowler, Jenny Simone, and Maria Altman. Joe, I'm going to toss this to you first. We were chatting a few days ago, and you just kind of casually dropped in that you didn't think we'd ever see another 16-year mayor in office. And I'm just kind of wondering, why not?
2: Well, first, I want to reemphasize, he's the only one. I mean, that's being elected four times in a major city. I mean, outside of Richard J. Daley in Chicago, you haven't seen that sort of thing. I think the city of St. Louis has been undergoing a lot of changes and will be undergoing a lot of changes And the changes aren't just economic or on education. We're talking about political changes and demographic changes. And I just think it will make it much more difficult for anybody to be able to hold office that long, unless things are so bad that there aren't people who want to do it. I think, I mean, frankly... That's the only way I could see another long-term mayor.
0: And I know one of the things that you talked about in your episode a little bit, Joe, was sort of these, these money problems that the city's going to be facing, and that may be one of the reasons that no one really wants this job. Just kind of tell us a little bit what Lida Crewson is going to face as an accountant trying to kind of deal with the city
2: budget-wise. Well, the money problems, frankly, have been around for decades, but it's just now they're getting a bit more severe. Part of it is because uh, up until, let's say, 30 years ago, Um, The city of St. Louis had a rather large municipal workforce. I mean, and they did legitimate jobs. But the point is, automation and just uh, the fact that we've had population loss and other things have prompted major reductions in the city workforce. As a result, there are now more retired city workers who are collecting a pension than there are workers working. That has put some stresses on the city budget, which already was under strain, because you've got infrastructure problems, you've got other rising costs, I mean just basic things like trash collection that, that take money. So that's something that Cruisen's going to have to deal with right away. A lot of officials say the biggest, easiest cure is to stop the population loss.
0: Now, Maria, I know you kind of looked at census numbers a little bit as as you were getting into your episode on development. How much is the challenge in terms of of population loss and and numbers when it comes to what Mayor Crewson is facing as compared to where we were in 2001 when Slay was elected?
3: Well, I mean, population loss has been a slide in St. Louis since 1950. It's slowed down a ton since that time. But in 2000, there were uh, about 348,000 people, give or take. And um, the expectation right before 2010 was that we were going to grow for the very first time. Uh, Unfortunately, the estimate was off and there was a loss, uh, about an 8% loss. And, you know, in 2010, we're down to about 319,000. The latest estimate um, says we're down again to about 311,000. So um, it, you know, there there is a slide and that's tax dollars and that's revenue for the city. So it, it's important. Now, during Mayor Slay's time, I think crime and education were the two things he always talked about in Absolutely. terms of keeping population in the city. And I don't think that that's changed. So that's going to be very much the two things that are, that are important for uh, Mayor Cruson.
0: Yeah, Maria, I think you're 100 percent correct about crime being something that's going to be really, really important. When Mayor Cruson was candidate Crewson, she said crime was one of the key issues while she was out campaigning, and she talked a lot about it. And so I'm going to be looking for her for a couple of things. Number one is whether she can finally find a way to get the money for more officers. She talked about it in her campaign as being something that was going to be crucial for fighting crime. Not only does it make them more effective, they're less tired, they're not working as much overtime, so they're not as stressed. It also gives them the time to go and get the training she says is necessary around things like racial bias and maybe around some mental health issues, things like that. But getting a more police costs a lot of money. Personnel is always something that's expensive. And so do the prevention programs that she talks about. It's all going to take money. Now, Crewson being a former alderwoman, she knows how the board works. She knows those dynamics. She knows who she can lobby for it, maybe some votes that she can possibly flip. I'm just going to be waiting to see whether she can deliver on getting some more money to crime fighting. The other thing that I'm going to be watching is sort of the partnerships that she works on building and kind of the different strategies maybe that she borrows from Mayor Slay or from previously, whether she kind of builds on the peer program, that's the prevention, intervention, enforcement and reentry and kind of what programs she looks to in various areas there. What other players does she bring in to work with her? Is it the usual suspects or does she look to and reach out to other individuals?
4: And like so many things in St. Louis, policing does have, as you talked about, the racial component, but it's also in terms of crime fighting. I know, Rachel, in your episode of the podcast, you heard from people who felt like the black neighborhoods in the city weren't getting policed in the same way that white communities were, that they weren't getting the protection from the police that they needed, that the resources were being uh, put into downtown to fight crime there so that way um, it can protect tourism and continue to build on the development strategies that Mayor Slay has put into place. So I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Mayor Krusen to see how she works with Chief Dotson, if in fact Chief Dotson remains in his post, he's very controversial, or to actually address some of these concerns about where policing resources are being put in the city.
0: Yeah, Stephanie, that's absolutely correct. Uh, Another relationship that I'm going to be watching is how she balances her endorsement from the police union and the fact that its business manager, Jeff Rorta, is even more controversial than Sam Dotson. She needs police support to fight crime. She said that before. But uh, Mayor Krusen is also going to need the support of the neighborhoods that don't particularly like Jeff Shit, That's essential to people coming forward and saying, I've seen what happens to helping the police catch criminals and, and get them off the streets. So it's how well she walks that line between the police community and Jeff Rorta, who's a representative of that police community and the other communities whose help she needs. Getting back to the second key point that Maria was talking about with education. Camille, I'm gonna to turn to you on this. With the obvious caveat that the mayor doesn't have any sort of direct control over St. Louis public schools, what are you gonna be watching for from Mayor Crusin?
2: Well,
5: the first thing she will need to decide on what I'll be looking for is Will she decide that she needs to be as active as Mayor Slay has been with education? Because the only thing she's obligated to do right now is appoint a replacement for the uh, SAB, the Special Administrative Board, if Darnetta Klingscale were to resign or something like that. Um, some of the things I'll be looking at are: is if she continues in the active role that the mayor has played with charters, endorsing charters, for instance. One thing that could be interesting is whether or not she decides to weigh in on whether or not the uh, state-appointed board should stay in control. Uh, Robin Wabi, the mayor's former education liaison, and uh, Mike Jones, who is the St. Louis's representative on the state education board, both have um, indicated that there is an argument to be made that some sort of state control should remain. So is she going to weigh in on that and that side as well and also support continued state control? If so, you know, what will that look like?
0: And if you have a question that you would like us to bring up to our next mayor through our Curious Lewis project, you can go on over to the website. It's stlpublicradio.org slash millennium mayor. That's all one word and weigh in. We've had people asking about crime and safety issues, social politics and social issues, the quality of life in the city of St. Louis, education, which we just touched on, the economy and the innovation and running City Hall. And Maria, economy and innovation kind of seems right up your alley a little bit. What? do you see as being sort of the mayor's role when it comes to development and making sure it's spread around?
3: Well, I think that the, the thing in, in looking at Mayor Slay's 16 years in office has been um, where was the emphasis in terms of uh, geographically, and I think you could say it was really very much in the central corridor, uh, whether downtown or looking sort of midtown and, and into the Cortex area. Is that going to be spread around more evenly? Are we going to see more development in, in the southern and northern parts of the city in, in terms of tax incentives, I should say, you know, are incentives going to be given into those regions? Beyond that, I think it's it's a matter of the effort always being made in keeping big companies here, growing companies, but also. Uh starting new companies, and that effort to get startups off the ground and really put in money into that area. Um, mayor Slay was really big on that. We'll see if Mayor Cruson
0: does that as well. Stephanie, something that sort of, I think, implied in Maria's conversation there is, is resources and where city resources went. That was a huge debate during Mayor Slay's term. It was something that took on sort of political and, and racial dynamics. What are some of the things that you're going to be watching for as to how the mayor, Mayor Cruson, now, works on kind of bridging some of the divides that have been perceived in development, in education, uh, in all those kind of areas where race is this just sort of overtone.
4: Well, I think a lot of people are going to be looking for Mayor Krusen to set a tone on diversity and inclusion. Now, what exactly that means and how that actually uh, manifests in her language and the policies she pursues remain to be seen. I haven't exactly heard Mayor Krusen in her campaign talk much about these issues. It sounded like she stayed away from talking about race and the racial divides, particularly the black-white divides in St. Louis uh, at at many opportunities when she had to talk about them. And I think that that's something a lot of people who work work on racial equity issues are looking for, someone who really can get into what does a racial equity lens look like in terms of policies that a mayor can pursue.
0: Jenny, I'm going to turn to you now a little bit. I know that some of your reporting in the time that you've been uh, here has been on the Latino community here in St. Louis. And I'm wondering what you think about, we talk about race so much in in terms of the black-white divide in the city. What do you think the next mayor, Lyda Krusen, needs to do in terms of other minority groups in the city, not just the divide we think of in terms of black and white?
6: Right. And I think that a lot of the mayoral candidates stayed away from talking about Latino communities specifically. And, I mean, they touched on immigrant communities, but so many of them focus on the Bosnian community. For me, I'm going to be looking at how Mayor Krusen interacts with those less known immigrant um, advocates. And there's a lot of work being done in St. Louis um, to advocate for immigrants that are not Bosnian or that are not refugees. Um, There is a growing Latino population here that could benefit the city in so many ways, but it has yet to be proven to those communities that uh, elected officials are looking out for them specifically.
4: I want to jump in here uh, to kind of piggyback off of what Jenny's saying. I spoke with Caroline Fan. She's with OCA St. Louis, which represents Asian Pacific Americans in St. Louis. And she expressed disappointment with Mayor Slay. While he had done a lot um, to help uh, immigrant business owners in the city, uh, she felt he didn't do as much outreach specifically to the Asian American population here. And I think that's something that she is going to be looking for um, under Mayor Crusen.
0: One community that Mayor Slay was known for really being able to reach out to and being an ally of was the LGBTQ community. Nancy, what did advocates tell you they were watching for from Mayor Cruson?
1: Mayor Cruson will have some big shoes to fill there because, you know, much of the LGBTQ community really considers Mayor Slay to have been a big, visible advocate. And um, that sort of even preceded any of the policy changes he made, it, and it sort of surrounded um, it was sort of surrounded by a warm embrace from much of the LGBTQ community. And I think people are looking to see if Mayor Cruson will follow in both spirit. And in
6: practical ways. One of the critiques I heard was that trans advocates would like to see their voices brought to the table. It was something I kept hearing over and over again, like we want a place at the table or at least being heard. So I think some of those advocates in the LGBTQ community will be looking to Crusin for more of an audience from her and her administration.
1: Joe, you know, as you know in Jeff City right now is as, as Mayor Cruson takes office, there are a couple of pending bills, one is which one of which is the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act, which has been introduced now for what, like the 19th time, you know, that could affect or solidify some of the protections that are in place in St. Louis. And also what they're calling the bathroom bills that would um, have people only go into uh, facilities that match the gender identity on their birth certificate. So is there anything that Mayor Cruzen could do to affect either of those
2: things? Probably not, other than perhaps lobby a bit um, in Jeff City, uh, trying to make sure that the St. Louis region uh, legislators are on board. Probably also appeal to uh, the urban legislators on the other side. There's a real big rural-urban divide when it comes to um, social issues like this. Although, on the other hand, I've seen some movement in the last few years among some rural legislators who acknowledge that there are LGBTQ People in their districts, too, and that this is not just an urban issue. But yeah, I think uh, there's limited amount that she can do beyond lobbying. So we're going
0: to close out this episode talking about something we could have done an entire podcast on in and of itself, and that's regional cooperation. Mayor Slay was really big on this in his last couple of years in office. We don't know how hard Mayor Krusen's really going to push for it yet. But I want to ask each of you this question. Where do you guys think regionalism could help in the areas that you explored? And we'll touch on each of them as we looked at them in the Millennium Mayor. So, Joe, let's start with you.
2: Well, I think one of the things that uh, Cruz and the county are going to, have to deal with, the county now has some of the uh, social uh, demographic and neighborhood problems that the city had 20 years ago. Because one of the untold stories is that a number of middle-class African-Americans have moved out of the city into the county. So that the, so I think there will probably be more efforts to try to get county help and, how, and helping the St. Louis neighborhoods that have been suffering, not just from crime and, 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 and the collapse of housing and that sort of thing, but the fact that many of the residents have moved to better housing in the county. I mean, it's kind of a small version of what happened on, among white uh, in the city about 40, 50 years ago.
0: Camille, on education, where do you think the regionalism or a regional approach could help?
5: Education is another big thing where people have moved over the past decades to the county for educational opportunities. Um, Mayor Slay often said that the largest competitor to the St. Louis public schools were county schools, not charter schools or even parochial schools in the city. Um, So seeing How that trend continues and whether or not Mayor Caruso opts to strongly endorse charter schools. She's indicated that she at least supports charter schools. Whether or not she will strongly support them is yet to be seen. Uh, But just how that shifts with um, the end of the voluntary uh, DSAC program where black students in the city are allowed to enroll in county schools and county students are allowed to enroll in magnet schools in the city. Um, that's coming. And when it does, they're talking about some way of switching it around. So that uh, instead of being a race-based program, it might be socioeconomic. So that is a partnership right now between the city district and county, some county districts.
0: And how will that take shape as it changes going forward? Stephanie, what about for, for some of these race and racial equity issues? Well, Kind of to
4: go back to some of the things that Joe was saying, I mean, we saw one of the biggest racial flashpoints that's happened in this area in decades was out in the county, out in Ferguson it showed how these racial divides aren't just limited to the city, they're out there in the county, and that these conversations about police community relations, um, disparities in arrests, uh, lack of economic opportunities for some minority communities, that these are really regional issues that can't be addressed alone by singular municipalities. I guess one of the things that I think people are going to be looking for is to see how much uh, Mayor Cruson is Going to take the lessons that came out of that, namely the recommendations that were made in the Ferguson report and how well she's going to try to implement those policies within the city. But again, going back to what we keep pointing out, building those relationships with the different entities that will help address some of these real regional divides.
0: And I think for policing, which is the episode that I focused on or the topic that I focused on, it does go back to those relationships. Uh, chief Dotson and the former chief in the county, Tim Fitch, had a very close close relationship. Uh, Chief Dotson and Chief Belmar, I think it's a little bit different of a dynamic there. I'll be curious to see if Chief Belmar works differently with a potential new chief in the city, how they work on fighting some of the crime issues on the borders, how they learn from each other in terms of police community relationships. Are there things that they can take away from how the county does it out in Jennings, for example? They've had a pretty good dynamic there. And if they learn something from the Ferguson consent decree and some of what they looked at, not the specific. Ticketing for money issues—that's less of an issue in St. Louis—but body cameras, for example. Jenny, let's let's go to you. What are uh, sort of some of the ways that you think? City-county cooperation might look a little different, especially around homelessness, which is something that you guys touched on in your episode.
6: Well, Slay has repeatedly defended his efforts to eradicate homelessness in the region by saying that it is a regional problem. It is not just the city's problem and they are dealing with the county's uh, problem. So I think it will looking forward to seeing if Creusen can maintain those relationships in the county and strengthen them to be able to bring more resources to folks who are facing housing insecurity, um, not just chronic homelessness, not just uh, short-term homelessness, but people who are before they even get to the point of being homeless. That's what I would be looking to.
0: And Nancy, for LGBTQ relations, we obviously heard a little earlier that a lot of it depends on Jefferson City, but I'm wondering regionally if you think maybe city and county could get together on some of those issues.
1: Yeah, I think there are two areas in which uh, a city-county cooperation could affect LGBTQ people, and um, those are the law and also the culture. Um, You know, people in the city have protections uh, which keep them from being fired or denied housing if they are um, LGBTQ. Um, Those protections uh, widened would just protect that many more people, but they also, as Steph Perkins of Promo, which is an LGBTQ advocacy organization, says, these kinds of laws they're not often called upon to be actually enforced, but they create a culture of acceptance. They create a culture in which an employer, an employer might be less likely to fire someone for that reason, and they just create an overall culture of acceptance, which you know might be more pervasive in a
0: cooperative city and county situation. And Maria, we could go on for, for an hour about regional cooperation and economic development. But I'm wondering what you're looking at in terms of this county-city economic partnership and this ongoing debate of, you know, municipalities competing with each other and with the city.
3: Yeah, I think um, they have a really good start. I mean, Mayor Cruson is coming into an office where, um, obviously, as we said before, the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership Came into place in 2013. That has a 10-year lifespan, so it will outlast you know her if she's not reelected. But um, it, I, in some ways, I think beyond regionalism, it's almost at this point about. The, the relationship with the city and the state. Are we going our state historic tax credits gonna continue? Um, are we gonna see more of the efforts in Jefferson City of things like, no, you're not allowed to raise your minimum wage. I think regionalism, everybody in this area gets it. I think the rural-urban divide is sort of where things really stand in terms of
0: economic development. And that wraps up The Millennium Mayor. It's been a ride, and there's been a lot of people on it with me. First of all, I have to acknowledge Stephanie Lecce, who not only tackled one of the most complicated issues, race, but also helped me edit and wrangle reporters. The other women in this room, Joe Manis, Camille Phillips, Nancy Fowler, Jenny Simone, and Maria Altman, who lent their expertise to the project. Shula Newman, our executive editor. Britt Hansen, our digital and special projects editor, who not only helped conceive and develop the awesome digital build-out, which you can find at stlpublicradio.org slash mayor, but who also tried her hardest to keep us on deadline. She was supported by the equally amazing team of Brent Jones, Kimberly Springer, David Kovaluk, and Carolina Hidalgo. Thanks also to Linda Lockhart, Dale Singer, Marie Schwarz, Aaron Doerr, and the rest of the team at St. Louis on the Air, STL TV, Pub Deaf, and Chris King at the St. Louis American. Roland Johnson wrote our theme song called Keep on Dancing. Fun fact, he also sang at Mayor Slay's first inaugural. And I'm your host and editor, Rachel Littman. Thanks for listening.